crying she's not crying she's laughing or yelling but oh hey she got some volume she's got some little girls got some pipes some uh and this this microphone hey this new hey picking up all the unwanted sounds oh oh we recording oh hey hey welcome back to the dogs of war podcast the number one browns podcast on the planet don't look that up just take our word for it you got kevin and raleigh and our spirits are Pretty much where they normally are this time of year. You know what I was <laughs> different. You know what I was thinking, and I hate to keep saying this and keep dwelling on negatives because we don't do that here at the Dogs War Podcast. We are here to instill faith, hope, love. I don't know. I'm going off nowhere there, but it's been almost a year because it was that damn Raiders game last year that I went to and almost died because of the cold with my pops and the dog pound. Shout out, pops. The last time we really had, we're having like consistent fun with this team was like almost a year ago. Because I remember it ended, disaster, losing season, longest offseason of all time. Now we sit here at two and three. We got Bill Belichick and the Patriots coming into town who people are going to try and say, oh, it's Bailey Zappi and this you know new rookie quarterback. Guys, it's Bill Belichick and the Patriots. It doesn't matter. Raleigh or I could be playing quarterback for that team with Bill Belichick as coach, and the Patriots would probably still be favored. I was looking at some guy uh... – they did the all 22 uh, replay of the game and the lack of effort on defense. Like, I don't know if it's a lack of effort or a lack of knowing what's got going on, like lack of scheme or a lack of leadership, lack of everything, but Holy shit. There are so many leaking holes in this ship. And at least Stefanski for the first time said something along the lines of, yeah, we had problems on defense, like acknowledge that there's a problem, you know, and it's, Oh boy, it's they're gonna get blown out, or they're gonna come together and like win incredibly. But this team lacks grit, discipline, leadership, so many damn things, and I don't know what to do. But there's so much talent on this roster. There's so much talent and so much money. There is not a captain or a leader anywhere in that building right now. Anywhere. I I think Hayden uh, Grove was kind of alluding to like the divide between offense and defense. It's like they're, they're two different teams. I mean, credit where due the offense. He is like playing humming so well. The the offense is totally humming and we couldn't have, nobody expected it to be this strong without Deshaun and credit to Stefanski. The offensive coaches, the offensive line, Chubb, Hunt, whoever, Najoku, they look great. But when it comes to like, like the defense got a stop at the end of the game that was just a gift and we couldn't close. And it's like, guys, 
is this shit mental? Do you need to watch Braveheart? Do you need to watch Miracle on Ice? Do you need to watch a bunch of movies to get motivated? I, I think Stefanski is a cerebral guy, which, you know, great. He's brilliant. But they need to figure out how to lead men. Like you said, they have the leadership. If it's there, it's limited. On the defensive side of the ball, holy shit. John Johnson, with whatever that stupid penalty was, like, sir, be a professional. We They're went going to be the third and four, third and five, to then a first and ten. Yeah. And just, you know, made what's-his-name look like the greatest running back of all time. Belichick's just going to run it nonstop. Like, he's going to make the Browns show that they all of a sudden figured out how to make tackles. And if it doesn't, if they don't, he's not going to defer from that game plan. Belichick is going to put our coaching – I love our coaching staff. I have to because they're the Browns coaches. There's obviously a lot of things going on right now that I don't like, but – Belichick is going to put our coaches in an absolute blunder on Sunday, win or lose. It's going to be a spectacle, a sight to behold. Uh, I didn't give you a heads up on this before we started recording, so I wanted to see your reaction in real time. Can we play a numbers game real quick? Sure. Okay. We're going to start right now with the number – what do I want to start with this one? Let's go the number 121. What is number 121? Take a guess. What is it? 121 what? Like yards type so, thing. All right. 121 is the number of interior defenders, defensive tackles that have played so far this NFL season for a certain amount of snaps. The ones that are eligible to be graded. Okay. 121 total defensive tackles in the NFL have played the first five weeks this season. Let me give you some next numbers now. That's 121, right? Yeah. Perry Winfrey, number 98 out of 121. Jordan Elliott, number 119 out of 121. Taven Bryan, number 86 out of 121. And last but certainly least, no offense, Tommy Togiai, 121 out of 121. We had the worst defensive tackle unit in the NFL last year. That's not an exaggeration. Look it up. Not you. I'm telling anyone. Um, This year, like we thought it couldn't get worse. Like remember when we went 0-16 said, or 1-16 said it can't get worse. Uh, we're playing worse than that unit did last year. Okay. We f- are literally you know, in some categories, like, oh, it's third worst. No, we're the worst defense in the NFL. We have names like Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, Denzel Ward, Greg Newsome. What I'm just, th- you know, we John have some, some dogs back there. And we are the worst defense in the NFL right now. A couple more here, real quick. Number 86 is the number of safeties that have been graded eligible for a grade this year so far in the NFL. 86. John Johnson, number 73. Grant Delbert, number 63. We're going to finish up here real quick with linebackers. 78 total linebackers have been eligible to be graded this year in the NFL. Jacob Phillips, number 75 out of 78. Um, Denzel, out of 104 corners, Denzel is 97. So... Let's think about it. Yes. Am I livid? Is the defense the biggest disaster, biggest letdown on this team? Yes. Is that why we keep losing these games? Yes. Do I want to fire Joe Woods? No. Why? Because I don't think changing a scheme up is going to take all these players who are having like historically bad years individually and, and turn it around. 
I put this on the players right now. They are, I just gave you the numbers. We literally have the worst defensive tackles in the league. We've had Miles and Clowney out for parts of or at least two games. That's what the whole defense runs through. We got our linebackers who are getting smoked, and which is why we went out and traded for Deion Jones, the former pro bowler linebacker from Atlanta, whose game we got traded from Sunday night. He was on IR, but he got activated today in practice. Looks great, blah, blah, blah. Because Andrew Berry looked at it and goes, holy shit. We don't have, we got a nose tackle too, thank God. Uh, Tyler Davison as well. Andrew Berry looked at the talent and where we're lacking, and he goes, all right, we got to do something like now. So you can see a little urgency over in Berea right here. We have to win two of these next three games, or we can just forget any kind of playoff push when Deshaun gets back. I'm just being honest with you. We're being real here. But offense, I got to give props, though. Offense is one of the best in the league right now. Jacoby's having the year of his life. I understand that three interceptions in the waning moments of games, but look, he's having a career year. Our offense is one of the highest graded across the board. I like what we're calling. I like what we're doing. We're executing our, our passing game. Our receivers are doing things that we had zero expectations of them doing. Thank God. Najoku top three tight end in the league right now. Props to him. I said on this podcast three weeks ago, come on, man, it's showtime. Uh, he's now the fourth tight end in team history to eclipse that 2,000 yard mark. He's having a hell of a year. Offense, good. Defense, bad. Do I want anyone fired? No. Do I have any answers besides where we're lacking talent and people getting healthy and people having terrible years individually? No. That's all I got. Belichick's coming in with the Patriots on Sunday. If we don't win two of these next three games, we're screwed. Sorry, y'all. I know we're usually the glass half full and we try to pump people up. And, of course, come Sunday, I'm going to, once again, as always, say Super Bowl and we're going to win 50 nothing, blah, blah, blah. But that's where we're at. So I agree with everything you said, except if they're playing like ass because they're not motivated or they're whatever the reasons are, they're not getting the schemes that Joe Woods, you can't make a decision in life that's 1,000% certain know is whatever it is can't get much worse and if it's that lack of motivation or not understanding uh the schemes or whatever change something up and show that if you screw up you will not be dealt with here and it's like yeah maybe they like joe woods and they got him fired and that motivated them to try hard like lack of effort lack of preparing lack of being a professional i don't know what it is but it is so goddamn bad and Somebody needs to step up. Somebody needs to make a play. Uh, shout out to Newsom and Emerson, who are actually making plays. Newsom's like leading tackles for the Browns. He's a goddamn quarterback. Uh, Emerson, one of the biggest plays of the game with that shutdown at the line of scrimmage, pass deflection. I don't know. Leadership, accountability, win the occasional football game against Bill Belichick. Let's go, Browns. You just got off that. Great rant with no interruptions from your Wi-Fi. And that's when we've been fighting for the last like hour. So that was beautiful. And I'm very appreciative of that. Shout out to your Wi-Fi provider. Real quick to tie up that loose end on corners. Uh, I said the number, there's 104 cornerbacks that have played this year that could be graded in the entire league. Newsome, number 40, 40. Martin Emerson, the rookie, number 16, top 20 cornerback in the league right now. Let's go. 
Hey, I don't. I'm not gonna can knock your your take on firing Joe Woods. The the defense has cost us games. They're like we just went through with all the numbers. Literally the worst defense in the league right now. My only rebuttal of that is again, I don't think you can scheme anything that can fix these guys having like the worst individual performances ever. And we say fire Joe Woods, but who do we replace him with? Stefanski's not a defensive coach, never has been. That's why he lets them do their thing over there. Again, like I I hear you and I hear everyone else that's saying it. I just don't have the the solution or there's no like someone on staff who's going to just pop up and be this like genius defensive coordinator. But we don't even need a genius. We need a leader. We, need we just need somebody that can lead men at this point. If that puts you in the middle of the pack, that's a big ass upgrade. I don't disagree. We need a leader. We need a captain. Hey, I got something though. What if we lead our listeners into our interview this week with our friend, Mr. Matthew Timpanic? Uh, you keep me saying, Kevin, good segue. Great uh, fun segue. For those of you that or for old listeners, new listeners, Matthew Timpanic is our, we can call him our resident attorney now, right? Yeah, we got him. Our, our official attorney. attorney. We should probably have this be our agent. Um, that's that's a joke. He came out a few times in the offseason to help break down the Deshaun Watson legal odyssey we went on. He's also a savant when it comes to his hometown childhood team, the New England Patriots. So we brought him on as our guest this week to break down and preview the game. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, we now welcome on a reoccurring guest, friend of the podcast, attorney at law, Mr. Matthew Timpanic. He came on a few times this past offseason to help break down what the hell was going on with the Deshaun Watson trade and legal situation. Um, as listeners may know, he is a born and raised Patriots fan, which sucks. Um, but he agreed to come on and help us preview this upcoming game against Bill Pelichick and the New England Patriots. Mr. Timpanic, thank you for joining us, sir. And how are we doing? Excellent. Looking forward to this Sunday. I had this circled on my calendar since we spoke over the summer. Like, yeah, get to play you guys without Sean Watson, get to see Jacoby Brissett in action. I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, you say with that smug grin on your face, you New England spoiled bastards, all of you. And I got to put up with the Yankees this week, too. I just, I, the two of the organizations I can't stomach the most, the Patriots because of jealousy, not the Yankees. I just can't stand them. Um, but yeah, all the hate I send to the Patriots is just pure jealousy and spite. That's all. Um, you guys are coming in. Bill Belichick, of course. Um, well, first question, you guys are two and three on the year. Who the hell is playing quarterback this Sunday for the Patriots? It's going to be Bailey Zapp. Uh, I think I saw the press conference earlier where they had him out uh, speaking to the media. That usually tells me that they don't anticipate Mac's going to play this week. And I'm actually okay with that because – a high ankle sprain, which Mac has, has a very high probability of re-aggravation. And I want to see what Bailey Zapp can actually do. I know what uh, Mac Jones can do. I want to see what Bailey Zapp can do. We almost beat the Packers. We should have beat the Packers. Just poor game planning in the overtime should have led to a win. And then just dismantling the Lions on Sunday. Sir, please do not come to this podcast talking about who you should have beaten <laughs> the wrong podcast. Can we talk about real quick? Can you just, for our listeners that don't know, obviously Mac Jones, second year quarterback out of Alabama for the Patriots. Um, can you just uh, quickly recap his injury and situation? So a couple of, couple of weeks ago, Mac Jones late in the Ravens game was throwing one of his many errant throws that apparent that he's still doing in his second year. I'm not really happy about that. And he got blasted. I want to say by Calias Campbell, 
And as a result, he like hobbles off the field and there's obviously the photograph from the AP looking like Paul Pierce right in the, uh, uh, in the championship game where he's taken in the wheelchair. That's how he looked getting taken off the field. He's got a high ankle sprain, probably two to eight weeks, anything in between. And then we had Brian Hoyer playing, who's our backup, who's this is like his fourth time with us, playing against Packers first quarter, hits his head right on the turf at Lambeau, and boom, out. Now we have our third-string quarterback. I think he's North Carolina State. That's where I think Bailey Zapp's from. Might be Western Kentucky. I don't know. It's one of those places. He did uh, three years. He did three years at like a Houston Baptist. Does that sound right? Yeah. And then transferred for a year somewhere else. I'm getting all that wrong, but – yeah, sorry, continue. And what Bailey Zapp did, he played muzzle-to-muzzle with Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field, looked great doing it, only minimal mistakes. And then he comes in, he does exactly what he's supposed to against the Lions. 29 nothing game, getting the ball to Jacoby Myers, handing off to Ramondre Stevenson, not turning the ball over. Very difficult concepts for a quarterback to understand. This is a guy's second, first game starting. And he did exactly what the game plan needed. And I'm going to get let you guys on a little bit of information. The game plan against the Lions is going to be eerily similar to the game plan that's going to be uh, put on against the Browns on Sunday. Oh, yeah, yeah run it what? 50 times, 1,000 times. Exactly. I think, Actually, oh, yeah, I didn't no. watch the Lions game, but I just assume you guys are going to run it nonstop. Because the Lions are a good running team, and you guys shut them the hell down last week in route to that 29 nothing route. Yeah, dismantling. Uh, Damian Harris likely not going to play starting running back, but he doesn't hold a candle to, to my man, Ramondre Stevenson. The guy literally is now a three down back and now he blocks too. The guy's not going to come off the field. He is LeGarrette Blunt with intelligence and speed and probably 20 pounds less. And the guy can catch pass out of the backfield. He is the best running back since Corey Dillon that the Patriots have had. No joke. Not just because he's my RB two in my fantasy team, but because this guy is the real deal. And I think the Browns are giving up the third most points to the running back position. That's going to be the game plan. And then, all right, if we're got a third and short, the ball's going to be thrown to Jacoby Myers. It's not going to be thrown to Aguilar. We're not looking for drops or anything like that, or Kendrick Bourne because Matt Patricia doesn't like him. But it's going to be, all right, and then if we need a screenplay, J.J. Taylor will do a Pierre Strong. It's going to be a very gimmicky game plan with Bailey Zapp. The days of Tom Brady being the quarterback are gone. Let's talk, uh, say a wide receiver for a second. Is there anything more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just perfect Bill Belichick than the fact that he drafts this Bailey Zeppi who came in and just, he's doing fine, right? He's he's protecting the ball, taking care of the ball, obviously. And then this Tyquan Thornton, second-round wide receiver that you guys got this year. Once again, what he does better than anyone is finding those diamonds in the rough that no one else can figure out how to do. Like, anytime I see Belichick drafts – now, granted, I guess I, you guys haven't had the best drafts of late, um, but it doesn't matter when you have a coach like Bill Belichick because he makes up for it elsewhere. But these two guys, it's just anytime that someone signs or gets traded or drafted by the Patriots, I just assume, oh, they're the next LT or they're the next Brady, you know? So – I guess talk about that with Bill Belichick and especially with these two dudes who were really not big name guys, but uh, they're doing more than good right now for you. The last two drafts are some of the best Bill Belichick's ever had for the Patriots. Like you get Mac Jones last year, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and now this year, you start off Cole Strange. Everybody was like, who? Where is he from? At the 29th pick, the guy wears a one bar down his face like it's 1970. Like, what is going on? And then slot in, left guard, Joe Tooney, Logan Mankins. All right, perfect. Tyquan Thornton out of Baylor. He he runs like uh, Tyreek Hill. If the guy gains 20 pounds, because right now he's 5'10", 170, which he can pretty much get pushed over by any quarterback in the league. The guy's going to be an animal. But the biggest pick, obviously last year, Ramondre Stevenson as well is coming to his own. But the biggest pick this year, Jack Jones in the fourth round out of Arizona State. Guy is, we let J.C. Jackson go because the Chargers thought they're like, oh, we can get J.C. Jackson for $17 million. J.C. Jackson is a number two cornerback that anytime he actually played a number one, he got burned. He got burned like he's Eli Apple. That's how bad the guy is. Like it's an Usher really. song. <laughs> yeah. So Jack Jones, lowest uh, win targeted. He, quarterbacks have the lowest QBR against him. Jonathan Jones, which he's normally a slot corner. And then this year, they're like, yeah, we're going to send you outside. And all of us Patriots fans are like, uh, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll try that. Number two on PFFF's uh, rating system for this season already. And then Jalen Mills, whenever he actually – I didn't even know he was hurt and didn't know he was out. And then Kyle Duggar, uh, who is just phenomenal, who's just a thumper. Yeah, the Browns, when I saw the Browns minus three, I was like, wow, uh, Vegas is uh, really, really reaching for this one. I would, I, I have really have this line should be Browns minus one at best because, huh. and that's, and that's just mostly because you guys have Nick Chubb. And Amari Cooper. But what I can tell you, Bill, what Bill Belichick does better than anyone, he shuts down your best weapons. The game plan is going to be Nick Chubb, shut down Nick Chubb, force him and have somebody on Amari Cooper. And Bill Belichick's one of the, also one of the few people who's going to be like, we need to shut down David Njoku. I don't think David Njoku is worth like the $15 million. He's making 14 15 whatever ridiculous number. But be damn sure that six months ago when the uh, – Schedule was announced. Bill Belichick thought about shutting down David Njoku. He brought him up in the press conference. He brought him up in the press conference. He said he's the best tight end we've had since Ozzy, which is true. I got to give some love to to Njoku, though. He's having a hell of a year. He's playing like a tight end one. He's top three in in a PFF, so he's doing his thing. But you are correct in the fact that he could be the number one or the very worst tight end. But Belichick is going to be preparing for him like he is the greatest tight end, and that's what makes him the GOAT. I kind of like the uh, Belichick theme. Um, First off, our audience right now is, at least I am, my faith in our staff, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, has never been lower. Uh, Can you tell us some of the things that Bill does historically that it just makes him the greatest as far as how he runs his organization, how he uh, coach and personnel? accountable i mean that's kind of a deep question that i probably couldn't answer (laughs) granted we've had like 500 different coaches but is that uh a topic you're well versed in of what he does i mean it also may not be covered you know what i mean like he's probably got a shit ton of secrets in there but well what what bill belichick does better than anyone is once the schedule is well they know who their opponents are going to be years in advance bill belichick is one of the few coaches that game plans for every specific game against every specific opponent. 
Like I remember when Jason Garrett was the Dallas Cow- Cowboys coach. He'd, they'd run the game plan. Oh, it doesn't work. Yeah, we're down by 30. Let's run in some more. Bill Belichick is like, all right, these are the people we need to shut down. These are the. This is our strength. This is this team's weakness. This is how we get ahead. This is how we stay ahead. This is if we're from behind. This is kind of the game plan. It's all up into the game plan about how many plays you run, who you run, who you feature. Everything goes into that. That's why Belichick is the greatest. I don't know how – like I think of the days when I used to watch Pete Carroll as the head coach, and I was like, well, part of it is Drew Bledsoe was just not that great of quarterback. And watching, all right, let's go out there. All right, first down, second down. Oh, crap, we're already punting again. Bill Belichick, it's, all right, we're going to start off first play from scrimmage. Let's start with the bomb. Whoa, wasn't expecting that. Uh, now we're going to do a draw play against a prevent defense on a third and ten. First down. And then the team is scratching their head like, why didn't we think of that? I remember 2011, uh, week 17 game versus Buffalo Bills. Patriots are down by 21 points at the half. And the Bills move into their prevent defense. Like, oh, we got this, guys. What do the Patriots do? They just start handing the ball off. And then they erase the 21-point lead in about 12 minutes. And then they go come back and win the game. What Bill Belichick does better than anyone is he knows every one of your strengths. He knows your game plan. He, he also knows how your players are going to play. Long before you even see them on the schedule, they're prepared for you. All he does on the week of the Browns, he has all the game plans on a shelf in his office, and he just takes it down. It's like, all right, let's go over this. Sure, the days of Tom Brady are gone, but it doesn't change the fact that it, it hasn't made it more fun for Bill Belichick. Like, all right, I don't have Mac Jones. I don't have Brian Hoyer. I'm going to beat the Browns on the road who fired me in 1995, even though I'm the last team to actually give them a playoff win, I think, and I'm going to hand them their ass. False. Stefanski got us. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we want to call that. Yeah, we went like 20, 30 years without one. Yeah. Yeah. What I love about Belichick is I believe you guys kicked five field goals last weekend. He doesn't care how he gets points. If it's beautiful or if it's ugly, mostly it's beautiful. But like talking about like that Bills game last year, we ran it a million times. Field goals five times. He does not care how he puts points on the board. He's just going to figure out how to do it better than anyone else. And Bill Belichick has an amazing quote when they had the 29 to nothing win. He's like, if they don't score, you don't lose. And you think about it, it's like, wow, that's just so simple to think about. And you're like, oh, okay. Like his favorite statistic is looking at points allowed. He's like, oh, yeah, when we'd have this terrible, oh, you're middle of the pack on defense, you allowed this many yards. And he's like, well, how many points have we allowed? And then it's like, because that's what this game is actually based on. Who scores more points than the other team? And the reporters are just like, well, what about the yardage? Like, I don't care about the yardages. You put up 700 points, but only put up 10 points, and we put up 17, we're going to win the game. And that's the that's the difference. And watching Kevin Stefanski just the last few games, and it's like, okay, you're up 13 points to the Jets. And I'm like, I'm uh, messaging with Raleigh. I was like, oh, you guys got this. Nice win. Oh, so we blame your ass for this too then. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I think I had him in Survivor too, which kind of fucking sucked if you ask me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I got this in the bag. All of a sudden I'm like, okay, uh, that's one touchdown. That's not a good start. Oh, uh, they did they recover an onside kick? Oh, yeah, that that's also good because that's the last time I remember the Patriots actually recovering an onside kick was 2013 versus the Browns after – scoring two touchdowns in like two minutes. Uh, if you guys remember the phantom 
uh, pass interference call on Josh Boyce and then put us at the one-yard line and then a simple out route to Danny Amendola gets a touchdown. But for me, when I look yeah, at Yeah, I remember game, that. I, th- I remember that just fine. <laughs> when I look at this game, I'm, I'm thinking, all right, you have Jacoby Brissett as your quarterback. Bill Belichick coached him. He knows his strengths. He knows his weaknesses. He knows what needs to be done to force him into make bad decisions, which could lead to oh, turnovers because you win the turnover battle. What is it, like 90%, you win the game. And that's what they want. They don't expect Nick Chubb to put the ball on the ground. They don't. They don't expect Kareem Hunt to put the ball on the ground. Maybe a drop kick here and there, but he's not going to put the ball on the ground. But what they do want is Jacoby throwing interceptions, Jacoby taking sacks that lead, take him out of the field goal range. Like you said about kicking field goals, every time you score points, that's another possession the team has to go down the field and either kick a field goal or get a touchdown. And every possession you create, the probability of that happen decreases as time goes on. And the back-breaking drives with Ramondre, if he's getting four, four and a half yards of carry, that's probably not going to be a situation where the Browns are going to be able to compete. That being said, if Nip Chubb's putting, doing six-point yards of carry and the Patriots aren't stopping them, I think the over-under is, what, 40, 41 and a half, something like that. So expect a lot of field goals. And Nick Folk, who we took off the Jets, it feels like, and then turned him into the best kicker in the league, obviously besides Justin Tucker. That's a huge difference. The guy's made like 60 field goals inside of 50 yards, which is just mind-boggling if you actually think about it. So you get inside, what, uh, the 33-yard line. If you're you're snapping the ball inside of 33, you've got a guaranteed three points. That's tough to beat. God, I hate you guys so much. Just for everything <laughs> you just said right there. But how does Bill do against teams that don't know how to tackle? That's a joke. Uh, he just he eats them alive. Oh, yeah. Because if you do, if, like, if Jacoby turns his ball over, which I think he's going to, if the Browns allow Matt Judon to get in there and take him down, uh, or Devin, uh, Devin Gadu, or whatever his name is, to create uh, penetration in the middle, it's going to be real tough for Jacoby to get the ball out to Amari Cooper or Njoku. And that's the only way it actually wins because I don't see a world where. Uh, Nick Chubb isn't looking at an eight-man box um, on most early down plays because if you see Kareem Hunt on the field, it's probably a passing play. You see Nick Chubb on the field, it's probably a running play, and he's going to be looking at stacked boxes, which I think he's the second most player against stacked boxes in the yeah. league. Chubb and Kareem, are they, I saw that yep. this morning. They're some of the most – yeah, I mean, obviously, because it's, it's who they are. Hey, real quick, back to you brought up uh, Matthew Judon, who just got AFC Defensive Player of the Week. Um, another random off, but still on the Patriots defense. You guys just signed Jamie Collins of the practice squad. Um, little little ping pong there with that guy on and off your roster. Um, talk about that defense. I mean, we've already said it. You guys did exactly what everyone w- thought you would do against Detroit last week, because they are a good running team, and you shut them down completely. Uh, Matthew Judon, who are some of the other big dogs back there? Kyle Duggar, for sure. Playing, first off, you have Devin McCourty, who is the captain, who is nicknamed Red Jacket, because once he's done, they're just going to put him immediately in the Patriots Hall of Fame. But Kyle Duggar is just a thumper, who is who is probably keeping uh, Nick Chubb up at night, uh, Kareem Hunt. 
They can just pound the ball. Please, please. Oh, oh my God. Please. Watch some some Kyle Duggar footage. The guy is an animal. Watch some jump footage. I know. He buries these boys with one arm. But continue. But the biggest thing is you need – the biggest game plan is David Njoku. It's how they're going to cover him. What I can say based on what Belichick says, you're not going to get some clown linebacker who's just going to get burnt. You're going to see either Devin McCourty, Kyle Duggar on Najoku. And for the Patriots, what they always do is they make you play left-handed. They're ready for Chubb. They're ready for Amari Cooper. They're ready for David Njoku. You're going to have to beat them with Donovan Peoples-Jones or Kareem Hunt somehow rushing out of the backfield, even though um, pretty much being prepared for kind of doing a fake box, if it were. Uh, up against like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna throw it. Oh no, it's a run against a prevent defense. Kevin Stefanski is, needs to come up with something like an ingenious game plan because what I can tell you is, Belichick always says is like, I don't get back at people, I only get even. And believe me, getting fired from the Browns 27 years ago that still rings true to him to the day. He as still feels that as it should for us and, too. Yeah. And that's like the crazy thing. It's like you guys had the greatest coach of all time, and then you're like, "Nah, we're we're good. We're we're gonna go in a different direction. We're actually fuck Cleveland. We're just gonna go to Baltimore now. It's a much better city. Uh, the economics of Baltimore are much better than that of Cleveland. So we, we see a lot of upside. We don't talk about the man that, that rhymes with fart, Hodel, on this podcast, but we put all that on on him. Yes. So it sounds like Bill plans to the nth degree for each game when it comes to. Like he, he doesn't call the plays himself, but he has input on him. Is that correct? Yeah. Like what, what I can tell you. Comes to making a mid mid game adjustment. Does he leave that to his coordinators, or is he the one stepping in? But like when it's situational ball, what goes on there? I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, twenty eighteen Super Bowl in Atlanta, Patriots versus the Rams, the redo of the two thousand one Super Bowl, and watching like the championship video, which kind of like of tradition in the New England family households every couple of years. You watch that when it's um, provided is he's fighting with God. I hate you guys. (laughs) He's fighting with the referee because of whether the top is going to be open or closed. They were told one thing. It's like, Hey, we decided to open it. And he's like arguing about the kickoff. It's like, there's a win factor. The game hasn't even started. And the guy's like arguing with a rep over what could be 10 yards. That's the level of this guy's dedication and how every single detail matters. And that's just when you're in a situation like Sean McVay, when he coached against him in the Super Bowl, he's like, you just outclassed me. Why? Because Sean McVay's like, what would Belichick do? And Belichick's like, I'm just going to do the exact thing that makes my teams um, successful. And you're going to spend all your time worrying about me. And with the halftime adjustments, you think of the Atlanta Falcons 28 to three game. Uh, the Falcon, the Patriots, when they do prepare for a Super Bowl, part of their week, two weeks of practice, they take into account that longer break at the during the Super Bowl because usually it's 15 minutes. In the Super Bowl, it's 25 minutes because they have to do all the performances and stuff like that. Julio Jones after the Super Bowl said, "We didn't really take that into account. We kind of didn't. We kind of got like um, like sore, if it were, because we weren't really prepared for that long of a layoff." Patriots are always do that. When you think of halftime adjustments, whatever the Brown, if the Browns are succeeding at something in the first half, whether it's Chubb running the ball, 
Kareem Hunt doing play action plays or Amari Cooper on deep plays. In the second half, that's going to change. That he will get with Patricia. Joe Jed's like, okay, who do we need to do? How do we need to change our schemes to combat it? They're not going unless the only person who really ever destroyed the Patriots consistently, game plan or not, was Tyree Hill. Peyton Hillis. Peyton, well, that Peyton, was one game. Yep, yeah, Peyton Hillis. One game that's right. That's yeah, right. He was on the Madden curse, and then nobody. The Great White Rhino. Yeah, the Great White Rhino. Hey, if uh, for Browns and Patriots fans alike, if you've never listened to Bill Belichick mic'd up on YouTube during games, it's incredible. One, it's just entertaining because he does never once changes his tone or mood. And it's just fascinating to hear how that brain of his works during games. It's very, very, very much worth a watch. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I remember watching one where he was Jarvis Landry when he was on the Dolphins, I think. And every, the whole time he's like, where's uh, Landry? Where's Landry? Their entire, like, at that time, Landry wasn't even the best player on the Dolphins. But he saw them as such a talented individual that they game-planned around him. A perfect example, Jamie Collins in his prime was a player that NFL teams game-planned around. And then he asked for Von Miller money, and he was sent to the Browns pretty much as a punishment. And then the Browns gave him $50 million, and then there, and then he got cut, and then he comes back and wins another Super Bowl, gets cut again. And then wins another Super Bowl because it's kind of like. All right. All market. right. All right. All right. R- relax. We get it. But yeah, Jamie Collins is, I, he might even get elevated. It might be a uh, middle finger to the Browns. Like, Hey, <laughs> this is uh, your big, one of your big free agent signings or big trades. And now I have him back to the third time to be on my practice squad for the league minimum. You paid him 30 something million. God, I hate everything about Boston sports. I really do. And it's just, again, because you guys have 50 championships in the last, like, 20 years, and you guys don't know pain. And we we didn't win any games 50 years ago. Yeah, no shit. But over the last since you've been alive, yeah, whatever. You know what I'm saying? All the old, old heads in New England are like, well, we used to be the Browns growing up. That Guys, that's so far gone when you've won 50 championships on all your damn teams. You've had um, you've had more Super Bowls wins than we've had opening than we've had winning seasons slash week one wins. It's God, whatever. No, the, anyway. One of my favorite stats is in twenty years, Tom Brady won as many Super Bowls as the Pittsburgh Steelers did their entirety of their existence yeah. in six different decades. I think four of which there was no salary cap, so they got to keep all the same guys. That's the most impressive thing. Six Super Bowls in the Super Bowl era. I don't know if that's ever going to actually be replicated because of parity among the teams and how teams, like, get pillaged after they win championships. Like, look at the Rams this year. You're watching, like, wow, this team just won a Super Bowl, like, eight months ago. They can't even run the ball out of the backfield without their running back falling down. That's just how difficult it is. Like the Seahawks were one Malcolm Butler interception away from repeating. And the only last team to repeat a championship was the Patriots in 0304. It's just so difficult in the National Football League to do that. And what I like what the Browns are doing, obviously they have Mr. Touchy Feely now as the quarterback, but he's paying his punishment. It's obviously everybody's moving on. And then now we have Devontae Adams, who's like, I'm going to like just randomly shove a photographer because I'm pissed because I ran into 
Hunter Renfro or uh, just anybody and everybody. Who Did you look at the tape? It wasn't his phone, actually. No, it was, that was Renfro's. But it's just embarrassing that it's like I play on a team where on a – was it a fourth down play? Was it the fourth down play? Where I ran into another guy on my team. Not just a pick play by the other team where I got a penalty. I ran into my own guy because my other guy didn't run the correct route because who would ever run that kind of route in that situation? Two more questions for you. Coming into the season, what were you guys' expectations? Because I get it, right? Mac Jones had a phenomenal year as a rookie, but you guys are used to Tom Brady and Super Bowls. He did obviously way better than anyone thought last year, I think it's fair to say. Or expectations coming into this year. And then we've talked about your backs a little bit, but Damon Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, people I've heard people describing those dudes as just two horses back there. And they are. Where the hell did that come from, too? Well, uh, to get to your first question, uh, when you think of this case, oh, fuck. Uh, what did you guys – I forgot the first question. So uh, Expectations coming into this season oh, with yeah, yeah. Mac Jones, second year. Because you guys – with Bill, you're never out of the question, obviously. My expectation was a 10-7 and 7 season. We're still – Mac Jones is still developing as a QB. I remember it wasn't even until Josh Allen's third year that he really broke out. And he was like, oh, this guy's a bust. And then 2020 hits, and it's like, oh, wow, this six-foot, like, seven quarterback can throw. And he's, like, got, like, Stephon Diggs to throw to. Wow, this is, like, uh, all right. And then Bill's Mafia is ready to burn down every city that they go into because they finally have a quarterback since who could maybe win them a championship. Um, but the backs, what I can tell you, I think Damian Harris was drafted in the 2019 season. and when he was Belichick was asked why he drafted him, was like the value was too good. Thinking that they had a problem, they drafted him in the third round. They probably had a second round grade on Damian Harris, if not a first round grade, which is great because uh, running running is half the game. And then Ramondre Stevenson, he was at Oklahoma, and I think he had issues there, and he like bounced around, and they were able to get him in the third round, and. That's just what the Patriots do. They can take risks on got calculated risks on guys who have upside. And now Ramondre Stevenson, I think, could be a Pro Bowl running back this year if he if Damon Harris is kind of pushed off to more of like a complimentary back because the guy can run. He is an animal. He is Garrett, like I said earlier, he's Legarrett Blunt, twenty pounds lighter, who can catch out of the backfield who can get you yards after the catch, and he's impossible to take down. He's he's Derrick Henry if Derrick Henry was 50 pounds lighter. That's pretty much who he is. And he can catch out of the backfield, which Derrick Henry really can't do. Uh, I'm sorry I asked. Sorry I asked. (laughs) Cut our linebackers or defense is just – well, yeah, that, that. That's, going, that's that's it's going to be the old Patriots game plan against the Broncos. It's all right. We're probably against Denzel Ward. We're I don't know if our He's wide receivers. Yeah, I don't know if our wide receivers have the advantage. But what we'll do is we'll take our tight ends and running backs and put them against linebackers. That's what we used to do the Broncos for years uh, during Peyton Manning's last couple years. Uh, whenever we'd play them, and I think that's what they're going to dispatch on Sunday. I don't even think Woods is at a position where he's like preparing for teams. I think they're still trying to just get basic schemes down. Oh yeah. 
It's like, all right, we're gonna have three. We're gonna have four guys on the DL, and then three guys in the linebacker position. All right, what what other questions do we have instead of all right, and what you're going to see on Sunday? And Jacoby knows it's coming. Is the delayed a gap blitz? There, it is. It is instrumental. Bill Belichick defensive scheme. You have someone like Jawan Bentley or uh, Jennings, and they just they're thinking like, oh, this guy's a QB spy, or he's a He's the mic, and then he just blitzes once the pocket has been cleaned, and he knocks him for a seven, eight-yard um, sack. I think that's going to be dispatched at least once or twice, the delayed A-gap blitz against Jacoby. Thank God Belichick doesn't know anything about Jacoby either. So, hey, let's do. Uh, let's finish up with some predictions here. <sighs> um, 2017 Patriots. I, I was going to say – Go ahead. I was going to say – I was going to say the Browns are going to give them a much better game than you think, but I think that it's more of the talent. They're just going to be outcoached and outclassed, but I think Nick Chubb is going to keep them, uh, keep the ball in the Browns' hands. Uh, if the Patriots are able to shut down Nick Chubb, that score is going to be a lot different, but my prediction is Patriots-Browns 2017. Raleigh? Browns 35, Patriots 10. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say 20, 20 to 17 Browns because only because one, it's Bailey Zeppi. I know it's Belichick and I know what you guys have back there and you could, you could beat us 50 to nothing and it wouldn't really totally shock the world. I don't think um, that's just kind of the state of mind. I'm mirroring out the Browns, but we, we literally can't afford to lose this game. Um, so that's why I'm saying 2017 Browns, but Hey, believe it or not, I've been wrong before. Uh, Mr. Matthew Timpanic of Timpanic Law will have all his contact info. And like Riley said earlier, uh, go back. If you haven't listened to the episodes we did with him earlier in the offseason about the Deshaun Watson legal troubles, um, it explains still everything. And it's still relevant because it's kind of timeless info. Um, sir, appreciate your time very much. Um, yeah, let's have a, a good game on Sunday and no injuries. That's the best I could say to you right now. Love no injuries. I couldn't agree more. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. That does it for us this week on the Dogs of War podcast. For Raleigh, for myself, thank you for listening. See you for the pregame episode Friday, and good night, Cleveland.